Good evening. Welcome to the podcast entitled No Longer Under the Gun. I'm your host, CJ Eversley. This is a podcast for victim, victims and survivors of gun violence, hosted by a victim and survivor of gun violence. This is a podcast of healing and restorative hope. I would like to start off this podcast by making a declaration. So I want you to repeat after me if you're listening to me. I'm going to repeat it twice. And I feel like uh, making declarations and speaking things over yourself or over something uh, gives you that power to for have things to work in your favor. If you speak it and you believe it, it shall be what you speak. It shall be what you believe. So being that this is a restorative podcast for hope and for healing, you know, we're going to speak and make a declaration uh, over this first episode and over every episode uh, that I record. So that declaration I would like to say is this. I am not a product of trauma, but rather overcome of circumstances that sought my demise. And today I declare that I am strong. And I am deserving of a good life. Repeat that again. I am not a product of trauma, but rather an overcomer of circumstances that sought my demise. Today, I declare that I am strong and deserving of a good life. This is episode one of the No Longer Under the Gun podcast. Um, this is entitled Why Me? Why me? And the reason why I wanted to entitle, uh, I wanted to entitle the first episode "Why Me" is because anybody that has been a victim or survivor of gun violence, um, it's an inevitable question that you ask yourself. I can remember so many days as I was laying up on the couch after I left the hospital and recovering after suffering a gunshot wound to the leg. I remember so many days asking myself, "Why me?" You know, um, although I was at fault, although I was intoxicated that night, did I really do something that was that offensive and and derogatory that warranted a bullet to be pierced through my body? Did I really do something that was that awful and terrible for someone to do to to retaliate in that manner towards me? Why me? You know, and as often as we try not to to avoid it and to and try not to think about it, it's inevitable. Those thoughts always come. Always have thoughts about that unfortunate day. Uh, for me, I can still remember uh, the flashes of that day, uh, the faces, and everyone was there, that was there. I remember it was a hot, muggy summer night. I could still feel the the, the humidity in the air, although it was nighttime. You know, I could still I still remember the smells, the smell of cigarettes and alcohol and uh, marijuana blunts uh, smoking the, the smoke of marijuana. And, you know, because we were at a party, that's what, you know, everyone was into. And, um, I, I can still remember the smell of uh, burning flesh or something hot like gunpowder. It's just a, just a funny smell. It was just. I never smelled before after the gun went off. Um, but uh, most importantly, I still remember 
the terrifying fear that gripped my body um, as I took off and ran when I felt that bullet pierced through my leg. It's just something that you don't forget. And you can't avoid asking yourself the question, why me? So this is me telling you my journey of healing. You know, my whole focus through this podcast was to, you know, share my journey of healing and, you know, how I got to a place of where I let go of anger, where I let go of resentment, where I let go of uh, that revengeful nature that I held on for so long that led to a deep depression, that led to me being angry, that led to me uh, blaming people for my mistakes for so many years, that led to me, that, that just surfaced in so many other areas of my life. And it wasn't until years later, I really realized, you know, this is something I need to confront. This is something I need to confront. Why have I gone years without confronting me getting shot? Like, why, why haven't I confronted that pain? And when I decided I wanted to confront it, I decided it was a time for healing. And I decided I was no longer going to be uh, a victim of trauma, a product of trauma, but rather a overcomer of circumstances that sought my demise. And I declared that that day that I was strong and deserving of a good life. And I came up with some things that uh, helped me uh, get through um, and get to that place of, you know, where I learn how to forgive and I learn how to let go of anger and resentment and that revengeful nature. So uh, the first thing was, you know, that I want to share. Let's let's go over conflict resolution. So what is conflict resolution? Conflict resolution is the ability to come to a peaceful agreement or resolution between two or more parties. Um, so we know, um, you know, normally uh, gun violence is a result of, um, you know, sometimes, you know, two people that uh, have gotten to a dispute or a, a dispute that just really turned heated and, and violent. Uh, in my case, you know, once again, I'm just speaking from my um, my uh, my experience and everything that I went through. So um, I always think back to that day. What could I have done to make that situation differently? And this is just me sharing it with you. With you guys and you know and hopefully it'll, it'll help i always thought about conflict resolution and um you know once again conflict resolution is the ability to come to a peaceful agreement and resolution between two or more parties and that's according to berkeley.edu um so number one in conflict resolution you define the source of the conflict okay what are we arguing about what did you say to offend me what did i say to offend you what is the issue here? Let's define this. Let's talk about this. Let's let's. What's the problem that you have with me? What's the problem that I have with you? So many times I thought about that. You know, um, could I have had a, you know, or a, a peaceful conversation with my assailant? And you know, this, listen, could I have said that to him in that moment? You know, maybe or maybe not, but. Conflict resolution is, is is so key, is so pivotal, 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 in situations like this, and just in, in conflict in general, you know. So you want to find out the source of the of the conflict. Number two, 
uh, look beyond the incident. Look beyond the incident. So what, what does that mean to interview? What does it mean to look beyond the incident? Um, to me, that means can we get past this? Is this something that has caused if this is not something that has caused irreparable harm? Let's move past this. Let's move past this and let's find a solution. Uh, number three, request solutions. Okay, what do you suggest that um, I, I I do better next time that you won't be offended? Ask the person. You know. Um, number four, identify solutions that both disputants can support. Once again, this is according to Berkeley.edu. Um, identify solutions that disputes both disputants can support. So after you have asked uh, a person that you're in a conflict with um, for a solution, you offer a solution. And then you guys come to an agreement, which is the final stage of conflict resolution. There has to be an agreement. Okay, listen, this is what you uh, suggested that uh, I do next time or going forward uh, concerning you or concerning just my... uh, matters in general with people so that I don't run into these kind of conflicts again. Here's what I suggest. Now let's come to an agreement that we'll move past this. We understood what happened here and let's move on. Boom. Simple. Next thing I want to get into is uh, let's talk about some risk factors for gun violence. So if you grew up in a neighborhood like I grew up in, in you know, neighborhood where I'm from, Trenton, New Jersey, uh, it's, a, it's a city that's it's a lot of poverty. It's a lot of gang violence. It's a lot of just street people, just people in the street. Everybody hustles. Everybody is in the street. You know, a lot of addiction. Just just like in the, in the city, you know, where it's, uh, they have issues where uh, single family households, social economic disenfranchised families, um, Single parent homes, communities plagued with gun violence, crime, drugs, um, poor school systems. You know, what does that breed? That breeds violence. You know, you might ask yourself, okay, why does a situation like that always breed violence? Well, when a person is at their wits end or when people feel like they don't really have any opportunities to grow or any opportunities to be employed or to be successful, um, there's an anger that's present. There's a uh, an aggressive nature that's just present in the community. And people feel like they need to take things by force. And violence is usually the catalyst for that. So socioeconomic disenfranchised families, um, what, what creates that? Um, you see a lot of black. If you go to a lot of neighborhoods uh, across America um, that where black and brown people are, and you'll, you'll see this problem. You see a lot of families with no money, no opportunity, low level education. What does that breed for a child growing up in that kind of environment? What do they see? What do they observe? What happens to their character? What happens to their chances, their hopes, their dreams? What does it turn into? 
these are some things you need to think about. Um, communities played by gun gang violence. You know, let's talk about gangs for a minute because gangs are really uh, a cause for a lot of gun violence in our communities, especially black and brown communities. Um, of course, where I'm from in Trenton, New Jersey, it's a lot of bloods and crips. Um, over the years, I've known numbers people, numerous people that have got uh, numerous people who have gotten shot. Uh, some I've known who have lost their lives. You know, God bless their soul. Um, and it's sad. It's sad, but it is a chilling fact that in black and brown communities, gang violence will claim lots of lives. And how does a person get to a point where they want to join a gang? What happens there? They want to have some type of cohesion. They want to have some type of family. They want to feel a part of something. You know? And that all stems from not having opportunity. Not having any platforms of success to where they can dream and they can hope more about something and hope in something bigger, hoping something a little bit more successful, hope that something that's going to uh, last longer and it's going to bring them, um, you know, good results instead of just you going to a funeral and looking at your friend in a casket or visiting a, a grave, a tombstone in a grave site and, you know, saying rest in peace on, uh, uh, or, or as a Facebook status or as a uh, Instagram status on the anniversary of that person's death, you know? People long for something to be a part of. It's a part of the unanimous cycle of existence. People want to be a part of something. People want to feel like they have a family outside of their family. They want to have a place where they can voice their opinions, where they can be themselves, where they can um, have friends that they feel like understand them. And if you grew up in a family that was social economically disenfranchised, and which is normally a single parent home, which is normally in an environment that's riddled with crime and drugs and gang violence, um, this is going to be your result. You know, you end up joining a gang, and um, don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I'm just going to say this. I, I don't think that gangs are for community betterment. They don't enhance the betterment of the community. And I will tell any gang member that because I, any gang member I know, they either end up going to jail or they end up getting shot or being a victim of gun violence, survival of gun violence, or, you know, God forbid they lose their life. It happens. I've seen it happen so many times. Um, poor school systems, poor education. These teachers, you know, they they teaching in these systems where these school systems where they really not getting paid any any uh, you know a, a good livable wage, and um, they are teaching these kids who uh, who have all kind of behavioral issues, and they have to focus more on the behavior than they can act than they can academic. So they're really not teaching them anything. They're really teaching them how to behave themselves in school because they're so uh, ill-mannered. And as a result, 
they just lose their motivation. They lose their drive to really be uh, a molder of young minds. That's what teachers are, you know, preparing our next generation for uh, great opportunities and teaching them how to make smart choices and um, being a navigator of educated minds. Um, They lose their drive for that. They lose their drive for that. And as a result, that that affects the child. That affects the student. So they don't really end up learning anything in school. The home situation, home environment is poor. It's bad. You know, so they cleave to the streets. They cleave to what they see out there in the streets. And it's sad. And it's a perpetual cycle uh, that's been going on for so long. And it needs to come to a, to an end. Um... I want to also talk about coping skills, because as you are going through your healing process, um, when I was really got to a place where I said, you know what, I'm coming out of this. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to hurt no more. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I realized I had been angry for so long, I had been resentful and vengeful for so long. And I was just like, you know, like, I don't want to be this person no more. Like, I, I want to come out of this. You know, like, I really want to come out of this. But I needed coping skills to help me cope with, you know, when I had to revisit that pain or when I would think about it. You know, so I, coping skills to me, my, my, my definition of coping skills is doing things you love repeatedly on purpose for a purpose. I'm going to repeat that again. Doing things that you love repeatedly on purpose for a purpose. Repeatedly, meaning that you make a habit out of it on purpose, meaning that it's intentional for a purpose, for your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, your mental well-being, for your overall holistic health. This is what self-care is. Coping skills are very important. Um, Doing things you love can be going swimming, listening to some good music, uh, enjoying, enjoying a nice, healthy night out with friends. Notice a key operative word was healthy, doing healthy activities, doing, you know, going to healthy places around healthy people, conversations and company that's going to help you grow and thrive and push you in your purpose. Um, it could be going out to a nice restaurant and, you know, enjoying a good meal. It can be a you know, enjoying uh, time with family and friends and uh, your kids. It could be swimming. It could be whatever, you know, doing something that you love repeatedly. Make a habit out of it. Make a habit out of it. Do things that make you feel good. You deserve that. This is going to help you in the long run uh, when you're trying to escape 